Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grunibling, and I will be your host. I've also got my guy, Josh, here with me. Josh, how are we feeling? Doing good, man. Just got back from a trivia night at, at Slap Shots in Belleville. Do you remember Slap Shots? Oh, Nate? yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> how was it? Did you win? No, we didn't. No, uh, we. Uh, I actually didn't know that it was. It was a church fundraiser. I had no idea when we went, and uh, uh, it was. Uh, uh, we got killed on the Bible trivia. <laughs> we had the lead going into the final round, and they're like, they're like, oh, this is Bible trivia time, and it's worth way more points than everything else, and we got destroyed. <laughs> so that was unfortunate, but eh, it's all good. It was fun. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for stepping in today, Josh. Blake was unfortunately unable to join me as my normally scheduled weekend pod co-host. He had uh, some family stuff that he had to take care of, so um, best thoughts to him and his family, and hope that goes well today. Um, But glad that we could call in the substitutes on short notice and get this rolling. (laughs) By now, everybody, I think, knows the drill. The plan today is to look at some hot and cold performances uh, in the last week or the last couple weeks here, and we just try to make sense of their performance and give you some advice on what we're doing with these individual players moving forward. But before we get into the episode, I am going to take a few minutes and talk a little bit about Borja Salming. Uh, I know this is a fantasy podcast. I, I won't blame you if you skip ahead a little here if you're listening to this on your podcast. Uh, wherever you're listening, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. But, you know, once in a while there is a moment in hockey that really means something to me on a personal level. And, uh, yeah, this is my podcast, so I'll talk about it if I want to, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for those who don't know, last night, prior to the uh, last night uh, being Saturday night, prior to the Toronto-Vancouver game, there was a tribute to Leafs legend Borea Salming, who's suffering from ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, it might surprise you to know that I would consider Salming to be my favorite player of all time, even though I had never personally saw him play live. It was before my time when he was playing for the Leafs. I read his autobiography, actually, Blood, Sweat, and Hockey, which is a great book. I was about 13 when I read it. It was a pretty seminal moment for me for a variety of reasons. Um, just a brief history, I guess, on Salming. He was one of the first European players to come over to the NHL, endured a tremendous amount of verbal and physical abuse in the kind of Wild West landscape that was the NHL back in the 70s. But Salming never backed down. He earned the respect of the league for his tenacity, his competitiveness, and his willingness to put his body on the line for his team. So me reading this as a 13-year-old kid, I immediately began trying to shape my game into the Salming mold. I was asking to play defense. I was taking pride in stepping in front of pucks for the team, being that guy who would give up his body for the team's good. Uh, But beyond hockey, Salming's never-say-die mentality has been imprinted on my brain and affected more than just my hobbies. I won't go as far as to say that Salming was a primary influence on my mental makeup, But there is, I think, a quantifiable effect that I can see even just in how I create fantasy content. 
you know, you can ask any content creator what it takes to produce content consistently. They'll tell you about the night spent writing or editing till 2 a.m. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that uh, people who are listening or reading the articles don't see. There is, I think, actually a, a real mental toughness aspect to content creation that isn't talked about too much. That ability to show up on time every week and get the job done, even if it means taking a metaphorical puck to the nuts. <laughs> that uh, that toughness and that resiliency that I idolized in Salming at a young age has certainly been required of me, both in content creation and life in general. And I can only hope that I've captured a modicum of that drive and desire that Salming embodied every time he took the ice. If I can sum up my feelings watching Salming break down in tears at center ice amid what was likely the final standing ovation Leaf fans will have the opportunity to give to him, it's this. You don't have to be the greatest of all time to be recognized, appreciated, and loved by those who know you best. Salming never won a Norris Trophy, but the way he played the game, his consistency, and his desire gained him the respect and admiration of everyone who witnessed him play. I don't know about you personally, you the listener, but that's how I want to be viewed and remembered, someone who left it all out on the field, so to speak, and didn't let the difficult parts of life defeat or hinder him. Everyone's experience is different, and that looks different for every person, but I want to control the things that I can control and make sure I give 110% for my family, my friends, and yes, even you as my listeners. That's what Boris Salming did in his NHL career, and that's the legacy he leaves with me and with thousands upon thousands of others. Yeah, Nate, that was beautifully said. I, I, uh, the, the last two nights, um, both of those ceremonies, the... Um, uh, he he also made an appearance at the Hockey Hall of Fame game um, to a very similar ovation. Um, I, uh, I I never delved in um, to to Salming's career as much as as much as you did, um, but he's always been he's always been an icon uh, to Toronto Maple Leafs fans and to hockey fans in general and and fans in Sweden specifically. Um, I think it was a cool gesture for Sheldon Keith to uh, to start. Uh, all of start uh, an entirely Swedish Swedish line uh, mm-hmm. to to start the game. I think that was that was really cool. And um, seeing the emotion in the faces of William Nylander and Rasmus Sandin and and guys that don't typically show emotion, and you could just see how how impacted they are by this by this mm-hmm. man. Um, um, some of them even ha- had a personal relationship with him, and. Uh, it's really tough. It's really tough to see. Um, I, I don't, it had, it feels like it wasn't that long ago they, that they announced that he had ALS and um, it's very evidently um, progressed very quickly. And it's, it's really, really tough to see. Um, Borier Salming embodied just this tough. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but uh, I, I, I know that people that knew him, uh, knew that he was the uh, he was the most in shape and like tough seventy year old man that that <laughs> existed. Like he he was uh, just I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't a dry eye in our house uh, watching that hockey hall of fame ceremony. And uh, and uh, Becca's not even a ho- even a hockey fan, but it was the emotion <laughs> that you could feel through the TV was was wild and. Uh, uh, I I truly won't forget that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is a fantasy podcast, and we'll we'll get into that. So thanks for bearing with me while I got that off my chest. <laughs> Let's get into these hot and cold players. 
We'll start with those who've been performing well over the last little bit. And the first guy that we're going to talk about is Jason Zucker. Uh, so Zucker, last three games, two goals, five points, nine hits. Uh, really been turning it on of late. Uh, he's skated 15 minutes, 14-22, and 13-23. So the minutes have not been great, uh, despite those counting stats. But the rate stats look pretty terrific here. Uh, for Zucker over the last little bit. Over his last five games, he ranks 19th in the league in shots per 60 and 23rd in individual scoring chances for per 60. Um, so Pittsburgh has a bit of an interesting schedule upcoming. They have four games, one off night this week upcoming. Um, the one on night, I guess, is the Tuesday, which has nine games played. So you're probably going to be able to fit him in there if you're picking him up. Uh, what are you thinking about with Zucker here? Is this just a flash in the pan or are you interested here, Hutch? I've been interested in Jason Zucker for a while. Um, he's a, He's been a guy that's been on my watch list. He was a guy that I targeted midweek this past week um, because I had I had a couple streamers in, in a bunch of leagues that had the Monday, Tuesday start. And then he had Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I believe, and then four games this week. And I should have set my 3 a.m. alarm on Wednesday because he got sniped in almost every league. Uh, but by the time I woke up at seven or something like that, he was gone in, in every league. And uh, that was uh, that was very disappointing because I don't think that he's going to be popping back up on the waiver wire anytime soon. He had a fantastic week. And uh, yeah, that line, uh, the Malkin Zucker Raquel line has looked really great. Five on five. I know the the game that I watched against the Leafs, they were the best line by far. Um, so yeah, I'm. I've been interested in Zucker for a while. Um, just with everything he brings, with the hits and everything, it seems like he's finally, finally clicking in Pittsburgh, which he hasn't. Uh, hasn't really looked. Uh, he's looked like a shell of himself since he's he's been in Pittsburgh, and and uh, it's good to see. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Zucker is much more than a streamer. Um, for me, so we'll see how this week goes, and then probably reevaluate on a kind of week-by-week basis after that. It's just because of that ice time. Um, mm-hmm. For him to consistently put up uh, even like even like a 60-point pace, I think those minutes are going to have to go up. They could go up. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. Um, but they'd have to go up from where they're at currently. So that'll be something to watch for this upcoming week with Zucker. But yeah, absolutely for the upcoming week, definitely all about streaming in Zucker. Second guy we're going to talk about, Brandon Montour. Uh, This is an interesting one, obviously, with Aaron Ekblad back in the lineup for Florida. Montour has managed to hang on to power play one time for the time being. Um, The stats all look terrific with Montour. If you go over his last five games, seven points in those last five games, 19th in individual Corsi 4 per 60, 12th in on-ice Corsi 4 per 60, and that's while averaging 26 and a half minutes per game. Um, So combine the rate stats with the time on ice and you've got uh, a recipe for fantasy success there with Montour. Uh, season-long stats, 63% IPP, 10% shooting percentage. The on-ice shooting percentage does actually, does actually look to be in line. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to hang on to these IPP and shooting percentage, percentage numbers or even the ice time necessarily long-term, but uh, what do you think about Montour? Uh, I think we're holding him, obviously, but oh, yeah. what are you what are you adjusting your expectations to with him now that Ekblad's back in the fold? Man, I think I'm just waiting and seeing to see how that ice time changes, to see if he can hold on to that PP1 spot. Um, it's it's interesting to see them going with the two defensemen, uh, the, the power play with two defense. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to stick, um, but he's been one of the best fantasy defensemen in the league 
so far this year. He's he's been unreal. So um, I'm I'm waiting and seeing on him for sure um, because everything looks everything looks great. Um, and he's doing this on a team, uh, the Florida Panthers, that are overall just in, inexplicably snake bit all across mm-hmm. the board. Um, I know some guys are turning it around. Sam Bennett. We had some. We had a question about him in the midweek pod, and I wasn't too concerned. And he's since popped off. I think he has five points in three games. Um, but uh, yeah, they're still still overall uh, really struggling to score. So the fact that Montour put it, is putting up these numbers, um, even with everyone else uh, not really doing so, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. Florida, the league's best team at even strength in terms of Corsi 4 yep. per 60 and scoring chances 4 per 60. So do you think that there's even some meat on the bone in terms of team scoring uh, to be had there? Uh, we've talked individually about Bennett and Reinhardt on the podcast multiple times, um, both as positive regression candidates. Um, with Montour specifically, um, there may be... It it really depends to me how sharp your league is, I think. Um, there may be a sell high here with Montour because this is undoubtedly the pinnacle of his season, right? Like, he's not going to put up this kind of point pace uh, all season long. That would be just absolutely wild. Um, but I do think that he's going to be valuable for the rest of the season. I think uh, the numbers are real enough, and he's shown that he can do it at a high level of work, um, which is really impressive stuff as well. But uh, if your league is not that sharp and they're only looking at the fantasy points per game or something like that, and you can move off Montour um, for something that's probably going to have more value long, like for the rest of the season, then definitely you can look at that. But if your league is fairly sharp and they all know about his power play situation, they all know about Ekblad coming back and what that might mean for him, then you're probably honestly better off uh, just hanging on to him and waiting for him to have a body of work with Ekblad back in the fold um, and just kind of evaluating a little bit more once this kind of settles out uh, in Florida. That'd be my take anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, number three, Miles Wood. Miles Wood has been real hot. Four goals and two assists in the last five games. During those five games, he's 10th in shots per 60 and individual scoring chances for per 60, but just a 14-38 uh, average time on ice in those five games. Um, do you think there's something more here with Miles Wood, or is this just another third liner getting hot for a few games and he'll fade back into the woodwork here? I, I think they're... There may be something more with Miles Wood if he can move up the lineup a little bit. Um, he's, I mean, the entire New Jersey team is just just full of unexpected killers this year. So uh, it seems wagon. like he, they are a they are the wagon this year. It's, <laughs> the, it's not a debate. Uh, it's it's crazy. They're they're dominating possession. They're dominating uh, on defense. They're dominating on offense. Uh, it's as long as they can keep getting goaltending, uh, which I don't know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, they're they've got a made in the shade, man. It's uh, I yeah. So essentially, Miles Wood. It looks like I mean, based on daily faceoff, he's playing with Michael McLeod, Nathan Bastian, uh, which looks like the fourth line. So not great deployment there. And then he's playing on power play too. Um, but I mean, like I said, everyone on New Jersey is hot right now. Um, so might be worth a stream in a deep league. I know in the Cupful, I just looked at my Cupful league. He actually is, is being rostered right now. So yeah. that's like, even there that's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe in a deeper league like that, you might be able to get him. He's 13% rostered in, in Yahoo. So 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm interested if he moves up for sure. Right. Yeah, it is worth noting, uh, you know, for whatever it is worth, I'm looking at last game lines here on Frozen Tools. Yeah. And uh, that Wood, McLeod, Bastion line did get the most even strength time together oh, of wow. any of the forward units. Uh, I think probably Hughes ended up with more even strength time overall because he double shifted right. here or there and stuff. But as a unit, that uh, that group of three was the highest. Wow. Um, so they are getting some use in that way, but definitely what you see with the under 15 minutes average time on ice, uh, it's not something that's happening consistently, I guess. Yeah. Um, so... One thing I do want to say about Miles Woods, uh, he does have a history of uh, shot and chance generation, um, so this isn't totally unexpected. Um, he's had he's dealt with a fair number of injuries throughout his career, um, but I don't think the the shot generation or the chance generation should come as too much of a surprise. He is definitely above his career numbers at this latest rate uh, through these last five or seven games I guess you could say he had a seven shot night and an eight shot night so obviously that's going to bump up the numbers um so I don't think you should be too uh surprised really about the um underlying stats the uh, actual counting stats is where you might uh you might be a little more surprised and the puck's actually going in the net and the thing with New Jersey is because they're beating everybody so handily, I, I think I read it on Twitter today that they haven't changed their lines in seven straight games or something like that. Wow. Um, so obviously they're just kind of riding with what's working and obviously it won't work forever. This, it's a long season. They'll go through their own ups and downs as every team does. Um, but I do think that it's going to be really hard for Wood to um, get into and establish himself in the top six in New Jersey. And for that reason, he's really just never going to be more than a streamer, in my opinion. Um, so definitely, while he's hot, I'm okay with picking him up. Um, it is a real thing. Guys get hot, and uh, for whatever reason, pucks just go in off every shin guard and every stick imaginable for a while. Uh, but as soon as it starts to fade off, then uh, I'd be cutting bait with wood and moving on to something new. Mm-hmm. Number four, Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano, four points, including three in his last outing in the last four games here that he's gotten since his call-up. Second line, second power play in Washington. Uh, In these four games that he's played, he is 20th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. So he's... He's kind of doing it. Um, that's pretty nice. It's hard to hard to say no to that. But um, do you think there's anything here with Milano, or do you think this is a little bit more of a flash in the pan? I mean, Washington, not the juggernaut they once were. They could mm-hmm. use some kind of secondary scoring or even someone to fill in in the top six. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think of Milano here? I love Sonny Milano. I, he's, he's one of those guys that I think uh, has flown under the radar in the last few years. Um he was a super underrated player in terms of fancy stats. I I use fancy stats. Uh, I, I've heard, uh, I, I said it on the midweek pod one time and John thought it was hilarious. And I realized that that's not something that people say a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the fancy stats um, have liked him both offensively and defensively for a while. Um, so I, I like Sonny Milano and honestly, there is an opportunity, like you said, in Washington uh, with Connor Brown is out. It sounds like for the year. Um, so that's, that's another depth piece that, um, was 
going to be moving up and down the lineup that that is not there anymore. So um, I think Milano could slot in very nicely, uh, even with Kuzi and Ovechkin five and five, um, and maybe even pop onto that PP one spot. I'm looking at the Marcus Johansson uh, spot. I think yep. uh, he he could easily po- uh, sit sit there and, and maybe get some secondary assists on, uh, on, uh, some Ovechkin clappers. So, uh, yeah, I like Sonny Milano a lot. He's a guy that I, another guy that I had my friggin' eye on, uh, last week and missed out in a few leagues. And it was incredibly disappointing because again, he, he played really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously a very small sample at this point, only four games with the new team in Washington last year, played 66 games with Anaheim, the shots for 60, individual scoring chances for per 60 were not at the levels that I'd want to see personally. Um, but obviously, if he can find his way into a uh, basically any kind of attachment to Ovechkin is what you're looking for in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else is just kind of run-of-the-mill, uh, middle six feels like kind of players at this point. Even Kuznetsov, like, yeah, Kuznetsov is a top six guy, but I'm not sure he's a a true top flight number one center in the league, right? Um, So really with Milano, you're hoping for some attachment to Ovechkin, whether that be at 5v5 or on the power play. If he doesn't get that, then I am concerned that he's just going to be a guy who runs kind of hot and cold throughout. Uh, Is encouraging, obviously, to see the the fancy stats looking good through these first four games. Um, But I'm going to need a little more convincing on Milano unless Washington just happens to have a terrific schedule. And then, yeah, sure, I'll I'll fire him up the same way I fired up Marcus Johansson last week. And he was a a huge fart. Uh, He was was the guy that I picked up, too. Um, (laughs) But I I think uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw a hot take out there. I think Milano will play on line one at some point this year. 100 percent with with Alex Ovechkin. All right, we should write these down and uh, get a like wall of shame going or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my my start of season hot takes were actually have actually been like panning out pretty well so far. I gotta go back and listen to that one. There yeah. should be some good content in there. The cold, sure. I think the Cole Perfetti Calder is it's still it's still within the realm of possibility. Nobody's running away with it. That's for sure. No. Um. So yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, Milano top line. With Ovechkin, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Kirby Doc, let's get into number five mm-hmm. here. Ice time on the rise with Doc. Eight points in his last five games. Uh, doing the thing for sure. 67% IPP, 43% shooting percentage uh, <laughs> over these last five games and a 23.5% on ice shooting percentage. Um, that's the uh, That's kind of the tale here with Kirby Doc for me. If you kind of rank him against everybody else in the league over these last five games, he ranks 259th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. He ranks 323rd in on-ice Corsi, 4 per 60, and 321st in on-ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. Um, Honestly, I am super uninterested in Kirby Doc. Yeah, you can ride him while he's hot, but I am really really uninterested in Kirby Doc being anything more than what we've seen throughout his career so far as a guy who yeah he can get hot playing with good players he's done that with Kane for a short period of time uh, before in Chicago where he was um, and he's doing it right now with Suzuki and with Caulfield but yeah looking looking beneath the hood with Doc I just I just don't see it man like 
His shots were 60 last year with Chicago, 5.5. This year with Montreal through 15 games, 6. So a 0.5 shots per 60 minutes of ice time difference. Um, that's really nothing to me. Uh, again, the individual scoring chance is 4 per 60, up but up by less than one individual scoring chance for per 60 minutes. Um, the Corsi 4 is up, so that's nice. Um, the scoring chances 4 is up, that's nice, but it's still not in like really good territory so he's gonna have to play like 19 plus minutes a night and improve uh improve these rate stats i'm not saying it's impossible but i'm saying there's a few more hurdles for doc to climb before i'm really interested or really believing that there's something more here what about you yeah i think i'm mildly interested in doc um just because um he's strapped to to Suzuki and Caulfield right now, and they've been playing so well. Um, Suzuki, though, uh, I mean, also shooting at a really high clip at 27% right now. Caulfield is more reasonable, 15, which I think is is uh, to be expected with Cole Caulfield. Like he's he's a he's a sniper. So mm-hmm. um, I think uh, I think as long as he's strapped to those two on line one, is he is he on power play one right now as well? Yes, I'm. Yeah. I see. So yeah, if Montreal's got a good ske- schedule, I'm still, I'm still happy rostering him. I'm just, I just don't think that he's a guy that I'm going to be holding on to the whole year. I mean, unless he sticks on line one, power play one. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's, uh, he's the one riding the coattails. It's not, uh, he's not necessarily making Suzuki and Caulfield better. I think it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. This feels a lot to me like uh, Dylan Strom last year when he was riding with mm-hmm. Debrinkit and Kane. It yeah. kind of feels like the same kind of dynamic here with Suzuki and Caulfield where there's two good players on the line and he's kind of just there and doing the minimally correct things to get in on yeah. his points and bang in the loose pucks and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'd, I don't know. I'm I'm going to take some more convincing on Doc just because I haven't seen it in the underlying numbers. Um, I have said uh, many times now throughout the uh, early season here that there are some guys who the uh, the points come before the advanced stats do and they kind of take that confidence boost and they turn it into a, a new gear that they haven't found before. So I'm willing to entertain that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. But the stats right now, the underlying stats are, are frankly bad. Uh, yeah. It's really just the rate, the uh, luck metrics that are going in his favor right now. So uh, that's my take on Kirby Duck. Number six here, somebody I'm a little more interested in, and actually I'm a lot more interested in. It's Jake Sanderson from the Ottawa Senators. Three assists in the last five games. We've got news that Thomas Shabbat is going to be out at least a week. Sounds like a concussion there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sanderson legitimately on his own, 17th in individual Corsi 4. Um, per 60 over the last five games averaging 21 minutes 52 seconds a night that's going to go up with shabbat out 34th in the among defensemen in on ice Corsi four per 60 um the last five games yeah he's taken three shots on goal and all of them except for one that ice time like i said it's going to go up i'm thinking he's probably going to get that top power play he was mm-hmm. the power play two quarterback Unless the Senators decide to go with the five forward makeup, which is a possibility given the talent they have up front. Um, but either way, honestly, even if he doesn't get top power play, I'm interested in Jake Sanderson. I think he could legitimately be taking a step here. He could legitimately overtake Shabbat as the top defenseman. I've said it about Shabbat before that um, 
Shabbat has always kind of been more of a volume guy than an efficiency guy. He just skates like 27, 28 minutes a night and kind of volumes his way into stats. I think Sanderson might actually be more efficient than him um, by the end of this season. And he could. we could be looking at... Uh, uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to compare anybody to uh, what Mo Sider did last year, but we could be looking at Mo Sider light with Jake Sanderson uh, mm-hmm. over the, the next uh, little while with this uh, opportunity with Shabbat out. Um, I'm going to be watching Jake Sanderson. I already picked him up uh, where I could, and I'm looking at him very heavily for the upcoming week uh, where I can get him. How are you feeling about Sanderson? Am I too hyped on this guy, or is he for real? No, not at all. I th- he's. Uh, he's definitely for real. I, I, he's been a guy that I've been watching since the start of the year. I think I mentioned him in our team preview, um, in our team previews as someone that could be a sleeper this year. Um, worth noting Shabbat averages 25, 45 time on ice every game. Uh, there was a game two games ago where he had just under 32 minutes, 31, 58. So like those minutes are going to be spread out. And I think a lot of them are probably going to Jake Sanderson because he's, realistically going to be playing top pair so his his minutes may go up significantly like we're talking four or five minutes a night uh so that's really exciting and then if you add on power play one which it seems like he's the natural fit there um to slot right in there um that is really exciting for sanderson especially this week they have a monday wednesday start to the week they only have three games but they have that monday wednesday off nights um which is pretty much the most ideal start to your week. I don't think there's any Monday, Tuesday back-to-backs. Binksy mentioned that on the midweek pod this week. Um, So that's that's huge. Um, So a a Sanderson ad is definitely something that I'm going to be trying to do. Uh, I'm definitely setting my alarms tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, he's definitely a guy I'm targeting. You're not off base at all. Yeah, absolutely. Go get Jake Sanderson now before he pops off. And the last player that we'll mention in this performing well section is going to be Jamie Ben. Uh, Jamie Ben, man, like 10 yeah. points in his last five games. That's not including today. Uh, I haven't actually checked what he did today. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, you look it up while I'm talking through these stats from the five games previous. Um, so still just 14 and a half minutes average time on ice through these five games, but he's fifth in individual scoring chances, four per 60, and shots per 60. Tenth in on ice Corsi, four per 60. 23rd in on ice scoring chances, four per 60. Uh, now, obviously, whenever you get these kind of stats, there's going to be some unsustainability in here. So 20.7 on ice shooting percentage, 31.6 shooting percentage, and an 83% IPP. Now, obviously, a lot of this is coming on the power play, and there's a lot of this that is super unsustainable. But, I mean, the individual scoring chances for the shots per 60, it's all there. Um, It's just kind of a question, can he really be this efficient of a player and kind of turn this around in this way, Um, kind of this late in his career where everybody, it seemed like, had kind of written him off as a guy who's just going to kind of fade out in a third-line role from here on out. Uh, what do you think, Josh? Are we looking at a late late career renaissance for Jamie Ben? Um, potentially. I think I think it's more. Um, I think it's similar to the situation with Jason Spezza, where um, when he was in a second line role in Dallas, um, he was he was kind of aging that situation out for himself and wasn't performing well against the team's second line, um, uh, ob- opposing team's second line. Um, but once he moved down to a fourth line role and he was he, he was feasting on on other teams fourth lines and I think that's a similar situation with Jamie Ben um 
Binksy seems really impressed with him and he's not a guy that's been super high on Jamie Ben for a while. He's the stars fan. So I'll, I'll kind of, I'll trust him on that. I looked up, uh, he had an assist today against Philly 1339 time on ice. Uh, it looks like one shot attempt, one scoring chance for one shot. So right. not, not a fantastic game from Jamie Ben today, but, uh, um, still getting yeah, that point. regardless, man. Yeah. Still getting that point. Uh, he was a guy, he, I mean, he was in the title of our midweek pod this past week. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I was amazed when I looked up his numbers. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy with Jamie Ben. I think, you know, I said it last week, uh, when we brought him up as well, because he was starting to get hot then. Um, and I said, yeah, I'm down for a Jamie Ben stream. I don't, necessarily anticipate that it's gonna continue but the uh when the underlying stats match up um yeah it may not be two points per game uh from here on out but i'm definitely willing to ride somebody who's on a hot streak and who's actually performing with the underlying stats so um i'm down with it for the time being with jamie ben i am going to be watching him pretty closely though because i don't know that it's going to be super sustainable there's a hundred percent someone listening to this live stream right now uh, in my cupful because someone just added Jake Sanderson <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still rattled. <laughs> Definitely. So JL18, give me, show me out on Twitter if you're listening right now because <laughs> I need to, I need some confirmation. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, before we get into the players performing poorly, I do need to remind you to make sure you check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. We have a thriving community, hundreds of like-minded fantasy managers in there. You can bounce ideas off of everybody, get latest news, content alerts, everything is in that Discord server. If you're looking for help with those crucial waiver wire pickups and to know about Jake Sanderson before Josh so you can snipe him and pick him up, (laughs) uh, you should check out the Patreon. Uh, Five bucks a month, you'll get a weekly article and podcast detailing all the best pickups for the upcoming week, including some long-term plays as well. Both of these links are in the show description, so check that out. Let's move into those performing poorly. We got to talk about Brian Rust here. Pointless in five straight games. Uh, Still playing a ton. 19 minutes, average time on ice. But uh, pretty much everything is down. 218th in shots per 60. 159th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. 241st in Corsi, 4 per 60. So on ice there. And 197th in on ice scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, the on-ice shooting percentage is 12.5%, so it's really not that uh, the players he's on the ice with are having trouble. It's really just Russ. Um, so it's a little bit interesting. The uh, the individual scoring chances for per number uh, per 60 number is the number that looks the best to me, just above 8. Um, usually I'm, I'm talking about 10 as a number I like to see people hit. Um, eight is like, uh, it's an okay number. Like I'm not ringing alarm bells, uh, with the player being around eight basically. So that's an okay number, but, uh, definitely there's something going on with Russ. This is pretty unusual for a player of his caliber playing with Crosby and Gensel on the top line, top power play. None of that has changed. Um, so what do we make of this pointless streak from Brian Rust? Yeah. I mean, like you said, those, those numbers aren't terrible, but they're, they're not what we expect from Brian Rust. So you you almost wonder if there's um, if he's being hampered by an injury. Um, he's a guy that has had injury trouble in the past. 
uh, fairly frequently, like most other people in Pittsburgh. But it would be kind of weird that they wouldn't just ho- hold him out if he was uh, hanging on to an injury because it's not like they're desperate for like they're they're not having the injury issues that it, they typically do as a team uh, mm-hmm. at this point in the year. So um, it seems kind of weird that um, he would be playing through something like that. But I mean, he's a hockey player that they they all are playing through something at, at some point or another. So um yeah i don't know what's going on here this is uh extremely unusual for him i hope uh i hope he turns it around it's not like he's he's playing with crosby and gensler right now like he typically does so it's not like it's a new situation for him or anything but yeah i don't really know what to say about rust yeah it is a weird one for sure um i think if you drafted rust i think you're holding him. um you're not trying to sell low at this point um, I do think that there are better days ahead unless it is an injury situation, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like there would be some inkling of that or there'd be some kind of more visible, uh, problem in his game. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing I can think of is like, uh, sometimes these guys with wrist things or hand things or finger mm-hmm. things, um, sometimes that affects their shooting. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I'm inclined to think that it's just kind of a bump in the road for rest. Um, as long as the deployment stays the same and he doesn't really get shifted around too much off that, then I'm still, I'm still in with Brian rest and, uh, I'll hold him until things get a little better and people think he's back and then I'll reevaluate if I think that, uh, I need to move on from him. Number two, Shane Gostisbehere, pointless in five straight as well. He's rocking about 19 and a half minutes per night. Among defensemen, he's 71st in shots per 60 and 34th in individual Corsi for, uh, scoring chances for per 60 over those last five games. Um, this is kind of the thing with Gostisbehere, right, and really with anyone in Arizona is uh, to they have to basically outperform their circumstance. So he's going to have to be efficient with limited chances. Uh, He was doing that really well at the beginning of the year, and then kind of uh, luck kind of caught up with them, I guess, here. And uh, he's kind of tailed off since. Um, More concerningly is the ice time and the uh, rate stats have both tailed off from where they were at the beginning of the year. So that's not a good look. Um, But what are you thinking, Josh? Is there anything really to be done with Gostaspare? Are you still holding him? He has been dropped in some places that I've seen as well. Uh, Would you be interested in in him if he did get dropped? What are you doing? Uh, I think I would be interested, not this week, because Arizona only has one game. But uh, if they had a better schedule, yeah, I'd absolutely be interested in him. Uh, Their power play is shooting at a 31.3% clip. Is that right? That's insane. <laughs> They're the, they have the third best power play in the NHL. That's crazy. Um, Arizona's been weird, man. Like they're uh, uh, yep. Carl Vamelka is another guy that's been red hot. I he would have been. Uh, I would have highlighted him more in my article this week if uh, if he didn't only have one game coming up because uh, he's actually been really good in mm-hmm. stealing games for the Coyotes. But uh, yeah, Gosses Bear. That's weird. I, I I don't. I another situation where I. Uh, it's kind of inexplicable. Um, mm. the, the people around him seem to be seem to be converting, and the power play is working, but he's just not getting in on any of it. Yeah, yeah, it is a situation with that uh, really terrible schedule this week, where they only have the one game. Uh, it is a situation where I would consider dropping Goss to spare, depending on you know all the all the factors, right? If you're up against somebody who you know is going to be a tough opponent, opponent, and you really got to maximize your games played this week, yeah. and you know there is a Jake Sanderson or someone who you're really into mm-hmm. on the waiver wire, um, then maybe I'm thinking about that move. 
Uh, if I can afford to hang on to Gossespierre, I probably am going to do it. I do think that he's at least a 50-point defenseman at the end of the season when it's all said and done. Um, so I am trying to hang on to Gossespierre. Um, I'm not really looking to move him. The time on ice thing is is what worries me the most, to be honest, because uh, early on when he was crushing it, he was up over 23 minutes per night. Right. And that's where, yeah, when you're playing that kind of minutes, it almost does, it tends to not matter as much. You're going to just volume your way into a few more counting stats. Um, so that part concerns me the most, to be honest, with Gossespear. Um So I'm just going to kind of monitor that, I guess, moving forward. And then, um, yeah, if I can hang on to him and it's not going to hurt me too much this week, I will. Uh, but if I really need my defenseman slots to be starting all games this week, uh, then I would consider moving off Gostaspare this week. Mackenzie Weger is going to be number three. We've talked about Weger a few times already. He's currently pointless in six straight games. Um, but there are some some signs under the hood that things are starting to turn around for Uyghur, and I'm starting to get a little bit more uh, bullish on his rest-of-season prospects. I kind of am starting to feel like he's a buy-low candidate uh, right now. 4.2% on-ice shooting percentage, that's going to come up. He's up now in the last uh, five games. He's up to 23.5 minutes average time on ice, where before, earlier in the season, he was down more around the 20-21 mark. So that looks like it's starting to come up. 16th in shots per 60 amongst defensemen last five games, 55th in Corsi 4 per 60, and down on 170th in scoring chances 4 per 60. So some of this is tied to just Calgary as a team kind of being up and down. Uh, this season, Huberto being out recently um, obviously doesn't help matters when you're trying to score points. But Uyghur does give you that peripheral floor like we always talk about. Um, if I go back, I'm just going to look at this right now. His last eight games, he's given you at least two hits and two blocks in all but two of those games. And he gave you one block in each of those games. So he's getting you at least three hits plus blocks combined in every single game his last eight games. So he's always doing that for you. Uh, he's always going to be shooting. The shots are coming up. The time on ice is coming up. I think Calgary is too too much. There's like there's just too much skill on the back end and up front uh, for it not to eventually work out. Um, Sutter is one of these tough love coaches, so he, he may take a while to get the players to buy in the new faces that they've added there. But Uyghur seems to be coming around right now, uh, and I would be interested in going out to acquire him right now. How about you, Josh? Any any thoughts on Uyghur? Which way are you taking him? Yeah, no, I like Mackenzie Uyghur. Um, I think people were a little less enthusiastic about him once uh, it was confirmed that he wasn't going to get power play one uh, like some of us expected. He... I mean, last year in Florida, he he put up huge points and uh, was not on power play one. Um, so I I, I just think, um, like you said, Calgary's too good of a team. They have too many weapons. I mean, this this was something that I had expected going into the year. Um, Calgary just has so many new faces, um, mm -hmm. and they're like they're a completely new team, a completely new combination of players, and the new players are premium. Like they're the, the guys at the top of the lineup. It's not like they kept their core together and they're they're pulling a few peripheral pieces around and they're those guys are trying to figure it out. Like these are the the impact players are all new and they've never played together before. So I almost wonder if their struggles early in the season are are chemistry issues. Um and yeah, like I said I said in the Calgary Flames preview, um, they may be a team where uh you should be targeting by low candidates. And sure enough, there's there's plenty of them there. Uh, Uyghur's one of them. 
Uh, he's always going to be a guy that gets peripherals. Um, and yeah, I think, like you said, uh, the underlying numbers seem to seem to show that it, uh, there's some positive regression coming here for him and for the team. Yep. Yep. I'm interested in Uyghur for sure. And speaking of pointless in six straight, we've got Evan Bouchard here. Um, yeah. he, he's rocking a 0% on ice shooting percentage, Yikes. Uh, which is super fun. Uh, that's through his last five games. Um, 19 minutes, 47 seconds, average time on ice, 73rd among the, amongst defensemen in shots for 60, 82nd in on-ice Corsi 4 per 60, 52nd in on-ice scoring chances 4 per 60. So uh, that's kind of middle of the pack numbers, to be honest, amongst defensemen. The ice time has really just kind of been like up, down, and around. Like one game you're up at like 23, 53 is what he played yesterday against Florida. Uh, two games before that, he was down at fifteen thirty six. Like he's getting his chain yanked up and down and around by his coach here. Um, I guess trying to prove a point to a young player, but uh, it's pretty tough for a young player to develop in those circumstances. Um, so yeah, with the ice ice time being like that, Tyson Berry is super hot right now, um, scoring a bunch of points and a bunch of points on that top power play. Doesn't seem like Bouchard's really in line for that top power play anytime soon. Uh, what are we doing with Evan Bouchard? He's still seventy five percent rostered in Yahoo, but minus eight uh, percent in the last day here. So it seems like people are getting pretty fed up with Bouchard and starting to drop him. Would you be dropping Evan Bouchard if you had him right now? I do have Evan Bouchard in a in a couple different bangers cats leagues, and he's been a guy that I've been debating, um, that I've been debating dropping for a streamer. Um, he's playing at like a streamer level right now. Um, and I think until he gets that power play one opportunity, which right now the, there's no reason to think that he will. Um, Tyson Berry has been so good. He's got tw- 12 points and uh, 15 games, I think 16 games. So um, that's really solid. And like you said, he's been hot even like this week specifically. Um, he had two goals, I think last night. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I still don't know what to do with Evan Bouchard. I've hung on to him this long, um, but I'm kind of getting to the point where um, I'm just not, sh- I, I, I'm feeling like he's streamer level and uh, um, he may be a drop this week at some point, depending on, on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few thoughts about Bouchard and it's more, not even necessarily about the player, but kind of the template here when you're looking at these, um, when you're looking at these kind of tried and true top power play guys and they have that exciting young player behind them who you really want to get the top power play because you can see uh, through the advanced stats, through the fancy stats that they might uh, really take off if they were to get that top power play and you really want it to happen. So you overdraft Evan Bouchard in like the seventh round I saw in some leagues. And now you're left with a guy who's got five assists, zero goals on the year and you have no idea what to do with them because you feel like you sunk this much cost into them and you're attached to them. Whereas if he had any other name or had been drafted, you know, later uh, on your team, if you had drafted him in the 12th or 13th round, you would have dropped him long ago. Um, so that's my feelings with Evan Bouchard and these types of players that we really want to see succeed. Um, definitely, I'm not saying like you can't draft someone because of the potential that they might uh 
elevate in the lineup. Um, definitely that's something I look at and I talk about that kind of contingent upside um, where someone could get elevated in the lineup and really take off and be a home run swing for your team. Um, but at the price point where Bouchard was going, I was pretty much off him uh, just because of that um, this potential scenario where Barry um, plays pretty well. He's still an offensive defenseman in a terrific environment for creating mm-hmm. points. Um, had, yeah, a terrible season last year, but uh, it was a weird season in Edmonton once again last year. Um, and I I just thought it was a it was a pretty solid bet that it was like maybe even 50-50 that Bouchard, we would get to this point 15 games into the season and Bouchard is just doing absolutely nothing for your team. So that's my that's my spiel on uh, guys who um, we really want to see do something, but they're going to have to do that something in order to pay off their draft cost. Um, so that's my thoughts on Evan Bouchard. I think if he was any other name, you would have dropped him a long time ago. Um, so I would be willing to drop Bouchard, but I'd also be willing to pick up Bouchard if I needed uh, a stream in a week where Edmonton... Um, is looking good um, in terms of schedule. I think Bouchard definitely still has all that potential, um, but he's not converting that potential right now, and his ice time is really variable game to game. Um, Even the peripherals are not, like, consistent. Like, in the game yesterday against Florida, he had three shots, but he had no hits and no blocks. Um, So he's hurting you as much as he's helping you, to be honest, at this point. Uh, he's not factoring in a whole lot on the on the goals that Edmonton is scoring. Um, I'm just I'm just kind of over it uh, right now with Evan Bouchard. I don't have him anywhere, but if I did, I think I would drop him. Um, if there was a Jake Sanderson, like I think I would take Sanderson. Um, Bouchard definitely has, in my mind, the highest upside uh, of like between him and Sanderson. I think Bouchard showed us last year that uh, if elevated to that McDavid Dreisaitl power play, he absolutely would probably smash. I think there's quite a few defensemen who would smash in that situation. Yeah. Um, but you can't. You also can't roster that player as a like d3 on your team just hoping if you can pick up bouchard in a week where you know you have an extra ad or something and you want to just hold him through a few games and see if something happens absolutely um because he's an upside shot because he's a guy who legitimately could be a league winner uh, given all the right deployment and the right scenario um so it's kind of that duality that you got to walk with Evan Bouchard. You got to be realistic about what he is offering to you in his current circumstance. But also if you have the opportunity to take him on in a spot where he's not going to hurt you for the, for the week, then definitely I'm okay with taking a shot on Bouchard if he has been dropped in your league as well. So hopefully that made sense. It made sense in my head while I was talking about it. But yeah, no, that I would, makes sense. I would both drop and pick up Evan Bouchard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so number five here, Mason Marchment, we got to talk about one point in his last five games, standing in stark contrast to Jamie Ben. He's only got seven shots on goal in those five games. Um, so that's not, not ideal. Uh, really, I think it's just this bender from Ben that's been pushing him down. Um, we all, I think kind of hope that he, given the contract and, uh, everything that transpired this off season, that he would be given a top power play deployment at some point in the season i think we were expecting ben to fade a little more um and that he would potentially get into that role um 
yeah, he's he's also not really getting the ice time. The la- the most ice time he's seen in I think his last ten games here is seventeen oh six, um, and down to like fourteen minutes. So he's been kind of in that fourteen to sixteen minute range pretty consistently, which is not great. Um, even if he was producing really good rate stats, which he isn't, <laughs> but even if he was, the, that time on ice is uh, making it pretty tough for him to be rostered. Um, I don't know if you've got Marchman anywhere or if you're looking at him anywhere, but what do you think about him? Do you think there's light at the end of the tunnel? Would you be looking to pick him up if someone dropped him? He's minus 13% in the last day, according to Yahoo. So definitely mm-hmm. people are dropping him in droves right now. I did have Marchman and I dropped him yesterday. So I'm, I'm part of go. that 13%. Um, it's actually in that league, uh, our keep three league where we had a bar, me and you had a barn burner last week and I ended up coming out on top to uh, to get off to a four and zero start, and followed it up by uh, having the, one of the most lopsided losses of the season <laughs> against Devin from Fantasy Hockey Hacks. So, uh, so I've been I've been uh, using my ads for uh, for next week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Mason Marchment was a casualty of that. Going even further back, um, he actually only has two points in his last eleven games. So pretty pretty brutal um yeah he had a really hot start in his first four or five games and then beyond that he's he's been non-existent so um like you said i don't really think there's a hole on that top power play i think you you mentioned we had talked about jamie ben potentially um that being a a a spot where you could see him naturally slipping in and he's not he's not going to supplant hints pavelski or or robertson so um i i just think that um yeah, I, I think right now, unless there's a, there's a significant change there for Marchment, uh, it's uh, he's he's a, definitely a drop. Yep. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. One other note that I will make about Marchment: normally a guy who hits a lot, he has zero hits in his last five games, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of just shocking Yuck. and kind of makes me think that there might be an underlying injury here um, that we're not knowing about, um, just because that is just wildly out of character for Marchment. Um, And usually that's like these guys who do hit usually when everything else isn't going well, like there's at least that one game where they get super pissed off and they just hit everything that moves. Um, And Marchment is just like that part of his game is apparently just abandon him in this. And he's definitely that type of player that, that uh, has those games where he hits everything that moves. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to have zero hits in five straight games is uh, pretty concerning to me. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely on board with dropping Mason Marchment. Number six, Seth Jarvis. Um, a very, very popular sleeper pick. One of mine as well. Um, happy to admit that. Off the top line, off the top power play. Pointless in his last four. The I could read you the ranks uh, for his Corsi 4 and on ice scoring chances for his shots for 60. All these numbers that I spout for every single one of these players, but they're all just super depressing. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. 16-20 um, average time on ice. So he is still getting a decent amount of time on ice um, on that second line and second power play. But really Jarvis has kind of taken a step backwards here in the last little bit. Um, it's... It's disappointing to see, for sure. Um, definitely thought Jarvis had another gear this year. You see a guy, obviously different position, but a guy like Noah Dobson, who had some of the same kind of 
impressive rate stats um, at his position take another step this year. And that's what we were hoping to see with Jarvis, especially with the Pacioretty injury. We were hoping that Jarvis would take the next step this year and kind of really take off into that 70-plus point range. Um, that was the thought behind the all the sleeper projections on Jarvis. Um, but it seems to be going the opposite direction right now. And uh, honestly, I don't think I could hold on to Jarvis right now. Uh, there's just too many other options that are producing right now. Definitely, I'm still watching. Um, I definitely think the talent hasn't gone away or anything, but he is a young player, um, still under 100 games in the NHL, um, still lots to learn for this player. And Rod Brindamore is one of these coaches. Um, he's not going to wait for you to figure it out. So if you're scuffling, he's going to push you down and let somebody else take your spot. Uh, so for all those reasons, I'm pretty off Jarvis right now. How about you, Josh? Yeah, no, I'm not not a fan at all right now. Uh, he's he's a guy that I think the fantasy community was excited about because of the potential deployment um, playing on that top line. And and he did get it at the start of the year, um, but he played himself out of it. So um, not uh, not really high on Jarvis right now, maybe as a as a streamer, uh, just to give him a shot at some point um, if, if things are if things are scarce. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, right now he's gonna, he's gonna need to, uh, he's gonna need to up his game a lot for me to be interested at all. Yep. Um, yeah, like I said, still interested in Jarvis long-term. Uh, I don't think the talent yeah. has gone away or anything, but I am going to need to see it a little bit before I believe it now that, uh, things have trended this way for this amount of time. And lastly here, we got to talk about Andre Kuzmenko again. Uh, I feel like I talk about this guy every single week, but he was scratched today. I I don't know who saw that coming. He was pointless in three straight before, only played 927 against the Leafs on Saturday night. Um, when he was getting 17-plus minutes a night, he was a consistent source of shots and individual scoring chances for. Um, <laughs> I don't know what is going on in Vancouver right now. They're just scuffling in the worst way possible. Um, it was literally last week. Everyone was head over heels for Kuzmenko, including me, after the hat trick game. Uh, he had an assist there as well, four-point game. And it seemed like the world was his oyster. They were going to play him like 18 minutes a night moving forward. Everything was going to be perfect. He was going to play with Pedersen. He was going to play on the top power play. And then literally a week later, it's the exact opposite, and he's getting scratched. Um, in my opinion, Bruce Boudreau is done uh, in yep. Vancouver. He like He's a walking corpse there. I'm just waiting until he's gone, and then hopefully whoever the new coach is there will realize that Kuzmenko is a valuable hockey player to the team. Um, I forget. I gotta look at. Uh, I gotta look at what actually transpired in this game against Boston today. But at some point in the, it was almost to the end of the second period. They had like 15 shots on goal, and they just scratched the guy who had the most shots per 60 on their team. Like you figure this out. Like how did you? What did you think was gonna happen? Um, but anyway, what are your thoughts on Kuzmenko here, Josh? What are we doing with Kuzmenko? If you got him, I feel like you have to drop him at this point. Yeah, I think so. I. I... I just think that um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow morning we hear that Bruce Boudreaux's fired. Like last night, the <laughs> watching the Leafs game um, when the Leafs stormed back and uh, and overtook the lead uh, when the Canucks blew yet a, a, again another multi-goal lead. <laughs> uh, it just really felt like it was over. Mm -hmm. uh, they kept showing Jim Rutherford up in the up in the stands and like that guy looks 
done. Like he, he looks like a guy that's like, why did I, why did I take this job? Um, And uh, he's been very public in the media about um, not liking the systems. They don't have the correct systems in place. They're not playing the right way. Um, which is like super indicative of like yeah. not being a fan of your coach. Yeah. So like it seems like the writing's on the wall right now. So I, I mean, I really I, I imagine um, he wasn't fired last night because they had a back to back, and it would be too much right. of a like too quick a turnaround to to get someone else uh, in the interim. So I really wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow you hear that he's fired. But until then, yeah, I guess Kuzmenko's a drop. A drop. That's super unfortunate. Um, we got a question about him in the midweek pod last week, and I said until he loses PP one, uh, I'm still pretty pretty happy with Kuzmenko. And like, wow, that uh, that took a turn really fast. Yeah, that was almost instantaneous. Yeah, the, it turns out the Canucks did come all the way up to 31 shots on goal, so they must add like 16 shots in the final period after they were already down like four to one. <laughs> um, so they must yep. have turned that around in the final period. But yeah, there was a point in the second period when I checked in on the game and they were just getting absolutely crushed by the Bruins. Um, so it seems like they uh, got some more shots on goal against the defensive shell from the Bruins. But yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, like like we've said, this may be old news by the time uh, by the time you're listening to this on Monday. Like Boudreaux may well have been fired by the time you're listening to this. So um if that's the case, then maybe I'd hang on to Kuzmenko and uh, just see what the what the new look is because uh, definitely he should be playing over Dakota Joshua and the guy oh. Aman, whose first name I absolutely forget at this point, and Sheldon Dries. Um, oh my God, <laughs> Jackson Nick. Uh, yeah, there's a few guys. There's a few guys that are playing that uh, definitely should not be playing ahead of Kuzmenko right now. Um, so that's all we've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value. Hope you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats, the fancy stats that you heard here today came from Natural Statric, which is a terrific free resource. So check that out. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. You can check that out on our show description. Check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. Have a good one. <laughs>